I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Yeah, this will be fun. Um, I'm trying to think about the first time that I ever came across We Croak. And I feel like it, it, it might have been like, I don't know, it might have been like a Vice article or just like so, some kind of article that like crossed my 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 eyes scrolling Your Facebook news feed. In, yeah. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, you telling me about it a long time ago. Like... I mean, what seems like a long time ago. I think anything pre-COVID, it seems like a lifetime ago. So it was, de- and it was definitely pre-COVID. Well, it was. It was a while ago. And I, and what I do remember is that it was on the morning of uh, a keynote that I was supposed to deliver in Windsor, Ontario, at a at a hospice conference. And I was like, oh, this fucking app is like, what a perfect time to find this app. So I opened it up, and the the concept is that the app sort of feeds you quotes throughout the day to remind you that you're going to die. And so I remember looking at the app, finding that like getting the first quote fed to me. And I was like, I'm going to read this shit just to an, like a, an audience of like a thousand people today. And that was just, your whole speech. And that was it. Yeah. That was my entire <laughs> keynote. They were very disappointed. <laughs> uh, and so, so I brought it out and I read it at this, at this conference and it, 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 I mean, it was a hit. It was a great way to start the, the keynote. But then that app has kind of stayed on my phone ever since then. And um, uh, we're sitting down with Hansa Bergwald, the, the, the founder of the app of WeCroak. And uh, before we get into the app, I just want to read. This is the quote that I was just, just fed just now. Oddly enough, by a guy named George Saunders. No relation. <laughs> uh, what I regret most in my life are failures of kindness. Hansa, before we kind of dive into your story, why don't you give us your kind of elevator pitch of what We Croak is, and um, and then we'll get into how it all began. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me here. So We Croak is an app where its core function is that it reminds you you're going to die five times per day at randomized times. So you never know when you're going to get a notification, just like you never know when you're going to die. Uh, you also get a randomized quote that we've selected from, you know, a poet, a philosopher, uh, a novelist, um, a drag queen, anyone we thought said something interesting or wise about, uh, impermanence or death. Uh, so we try to get a lot of different perspectives in there because of course everybody dies. So, uh, why not include them all? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And that's, that's the core thing. Just remind people of death ceaselessly. Um, it is based on a Bhutanese folk saying in tiny Himalayan nation, 
a very Buddhist country, uh, that to be a happy person, you must contemplate your death five times per day. And that's Mm. why we've never budged, although we were asked almost every day to let people sort of choose how many times they want a reminder. (laughs) Five is the efficacious dose of death reminders. So that's what we give people. And uh, yeah, since we started in 2017, which, you know, it's definitely BC before COVID, uh, (laughs) this little app passion project from, you know, a couple of meditation nerds uh, has sparked a lot of conversation. I think we've had almost 200,000 downloads, um, which, you know, is a lot of people trying it and, you know, a passionate base of, you know, tens of thousands of people Mm -hmm. using it every day uh, for years now. So uh, thank you for being one of those people. Yeah. Well, That's like, awesome. How, how do you, I mean, you kind of, you, you gave a little, uh, breadcrumb there in, in your meditation nerd, uh, um, uh, adjective that you use to describe, describe yourself. What, what is your, like, you know, if somebody were to ask, if somebody were to ask me why I might say, why I might talk about death, I, you know, I, I would, I would say, well, you know what, before I did started doing this podcast with my friends, I would have never talked about it. You know, I, I, or I, or I would have just, it would it wouldn't be a part of my life, but now I do this podcast. And so it is, what is your, like, how do you come to, and I come to this podcast through my friendship with Jeremy and Brian, like, where do you, where are you coming to this idea from that, that like, what's your background? Like, what's your, well, yeah. What brought you to a place where you were, where you were thinking that people need to be people need to be thinking about death. I mean, you know, alluding to the, to the quote that you said there. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of two stories. One is sort of just being a curious person, like a researcher by nature, an amateur one, of course, but I was getting really into meditation because life is hard. And I was looking to those tools for, you know, some relief. Mm -hmm. And as I was getting into it, I just wanted to know more about it. And I started reading everything I could find about it. And I kept on coming across these weird death meditations. I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what it would be like to meditate over um, a dead body or to think about it like every death could be my last. And But I never tried it. Um, and then I kept on coming across the stuff that was saying that it was really actually central. I read, um, you know, there was this one Buddhist scholar from the fifth century named Buddha Gosa who's like, of the 40 different kinds of meditation, only two are always beneficial, the cultivation of kindness and the recollection of death. And I was like, holy shit, like this isn't some side thing for advanced people. This is the core. And I don't know anyone who's doing it, including me. Mm -hmm. And um, I should be if if this is the center and all these like, you know, body scans and like calming breaths are actually not even always beneficial. Um, And that that kind of blew my mind and motivated me to try it. All right. So then I was trying it and I just really resonated with the work for, you know, the myriad reasons that people do there's, I can list through the the benefits and maybe in a minute, but I think also from a, uh, a personal nature of my own story, one of the reasons it really resonated is my mother uh, died suddenly when I was 11 of an aneurysm. Uh, And she was 42. So very young very unexpected, no previous sign kind of thing where I went to bed one evening, uh, woke up the next morning, my dad was crying at the foot of my bed and she was dead. So I'd gone through my whole life with this trauma and a very death phobic society. 
everyone's afraid to talk about death. Everyone's afraid to like let you know the truth out. And there was a part of me that always knew that was total bullshit. That mm. you know death can happen every time. And so when I finally looked at these tools and leaned into them from a from a mindfulness perspective of just like yes, death is real. It can happen anytime. I'm going to accept that. I'm going to make my peace with that. Mm. It was like this weight that had been on my shoulders my almost my entire life was just sort of slowly coming off like i could breathe again um because you know something i absolutely knew was true was true and for the first time i was looking at it like and this is also okay this is what human life is it's not just me and my family singled out for tragedy or difficulty uh this is the human experience and i can have joy i can have a good life if i embrace it mm -hmm. wow that's uh that's an incredibly profound experience to have as as an eleven year old too. I'm I'm curious how how you know when death sort of enters your life in that capacity uh, in a very like traumatic and challenging way. What was it like for you to have conversations with you know kids your age at that age about death? I'm sure a lot of people had a lot of questions um, when that first happened, and maybe maybe they didn't because of the stigma that's sort of associated with talking about death? Ooh, that's such a big question. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get sympathy letters and talks and emails at first. And then uh, my experience at least was, you know, you were expected to act normal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, go through, play a research, do the whole thing. People don't have a vocabulary for talking about death in this country usually, uh, especially not kids. Unless someone has talked with them about it and helped them understand how to talk about it. And um, so it ended up being a lot of, uh, you know, just trying to bottle it down and pretending that, you know, I was normal. Um, mm. And uh, I've heard from a lot of people since launching the app that a lot of people download it when they're in grief, actually, mm. because there's a lot of like shunning that happens. Um, around uh, people who get a fatal diagnosis or in grief, like suddenly family, friends, community get scarce uh, because they're afraid or they don't know what to say or it's awkward. And the app just for this sort of use case reminds people that like, hey, everyone goes through this. You're not special or unique or unfortunate. Um, you know, we all lose everything. Uh, you're not alone is ultimately, I think, the message they're getting from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you... Um you know, I, I, I imagine like the, you're, you're drawing, you seem to be drawing from a lot of, uh, a lot of literature, a lot of literature from, from other cultures that are informing, um, that are informing your, your like ideas around, around death and, and, and making that, that conversation or that thought or that meditation more accessible to, to yourself and to, and to, to everybody and kind of kind of a little bit piggybacking on Brian's question a little bit, like when you go back to being really young and having, um, you know, the death of your mom, which is obviously, you know, like you said, very challenging, you know, very few people have a, have a, have, have a, have a robust vocabulary to talk about death, let alone children. What do you see any, um, do you see any, any cultures right now that are like around the world that are that are dealing with death and, and having a conversation around death. Um, that is like, that's sort of like a North star in, in like how, in how they incorporate it into their, their everyday 
lives and how and 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 that can make it i guess ultimately easier not easier i shouldn't say easier what's the word i'm looking for like um like more uh more approachable maybe yeah for for like a for a for a child who experiences um who experiences the death of a loved one and then uh, or, or how they experience or and and view death like for the rest of their lives because i'm assuming that you know the death of your mom obviously influenced the way that you thought about death for a long time it seems like until you kind of went down this rabbit hole yeah i mean i'm uh i live in the united states in philadelphia uh so i can't actually say what it's like to lose someone in another place uh what i can say i was very inspired by you know um the bhutanese sort of folk wisdom there that death is scary we're all going to run away from it look at it often or you know you will too and that will you know a life in fear isn't a great life you won't be happy um i like that idea of no matter what culture you're in you know our deaths are scary just because we're human beings um so have a practice of looking at it often and sort of like an exposure therapy sort of safe way and you'll do better. Um, so I liked that sort of wisdom of it is like, doesn't matter what culture you're in. Death is going to be a hard question for people, mm-hmm. you know, face it and do it, you know, before there is a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say also that I've been really inspired, um, you know, since launching the app of all the different, sort of ways people in this culture are sort of innovating to bring back a lot of the meaning and ritual around, um, around death, you know, everything from met with people who are like making their own shrouds that they're just going to like have in a box somewhere or, you know, keeping family members around, which is totally safe to like wash their bodies. Like it's an old time Victorian funeral and, you know, just, having the loved one's body before it's like whisked away to the hospital or the morgue, um, all the different kind of, uh, palliative care and sort of hospice innovations to have a little bit more death with dignity and to think clearly about, you know, what kind of care options are right for the life you want to live. Like there's a lot of people thinking deeply about bringing back some of that human touch Mm. to the inevitable end of all of our, you know, lives and, you know, our loved ones. And I, you know, I think that's really important, you know, that we can have it here if we're intentional. It might not be uh, a given or that's something that you can take for granted as part of the culture, but also, you know, maybe it never was, you know, if, if it just is taken for granted, it doesn't have that personal touch by definition. And if we want to create meaning in our lives, we have to give it some thought and think about our own personal values and, you know, mission and give it our own our own stamp, if you will. Mm. And that's, that's what the times ask us to do and probably what all times ask us to do. Mm-hmm. I, um, go, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, no. I, um, I was just like thinking about my, I was something in that, in that explanation you gave there. Um, I, what you said at the beginning kind of popped up and how you, you know, you spent a lot of time and, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe you said that, in, in some in 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 some amount of words that you've made peace with the fact that you're going to die um and i and i feel the same but i very much like waver in and out of that sentiment in the way that i you know some days i am and then some days i'm not and, and or or maybe it's more like 
98% of the time I feel like I am. And then, and then I, I can like a flip can switch and I can be like, I can feel as if I've never given it a moment's thought at all. And I'm just as scared as I, as I imagine most people who have never thought about their own demise must feel. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm wondering like, do like do you? I guess I'm wondering if uh, if you got, if to everybody if you if you feel that Hansa and if you guys feel like do you think that's a universal thing where where we might will never be will never be all in a thousand percent. I I think that a thousand percent. I I know that. Uh, um, so all of us are are Hansa. All of us teach yoga or taught yoga at one point. And uh, Taylor, I remember going to one of your Vinyasa two classes, and you were talking about uh, meditation, and you were talking about how concentration is like this, like circular thing where you know sometimes, like the goal is to try to like keep the circle complete, but when you first start, there's a ton of breaks in the circle, and you're losing con- concentration, but you're trying to get back in, you're wavering in and out. But with practice, you can start to keep that circle connected longer and longer. But inevitably, there will be breaks in that, and mm-hmm. you'll lose that focus, and that can happen at at any level. And, and with practice and time, you can keep it connected longer. But there will always be moments where you lose that focus, and I think that that's true with anything, especially this idea of being comfortable with death, because our our lives are fluctuating. We're going through all these different experiences all the time. I, like I've felt you know, periods of depression in my life. I've felt down and like sometimes when I'm at these high points, I feel like I'll never go back to that like feeling of depression. Mm -hmm. But then a sequence of events can unfold and all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, you're right back into this place where you're having to do that work. So I think that life is this like never ending fluctuation of energy Mm -hmm. going in both those ways. And it's, I don't think that you can ever, you know, fully be at peace with death. I think it's a constant you know, fluctuation. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to chime in and say, I'm pretty much always fully at peace with it until a new trailer comes out for like a, the, like the next a 24 horror movie. And then I'm like, fuck, I gotta, I I better not die (laughs) until this comes out. At least until this comes out. So that I can see it. Once I see it, like I'm going to go, we're going to go see lamb tomorrow night. And like, once I see lamb, I'll be like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, so but Jerry, you haven't until you've, that, until you've that never been, you've out. never been on like a one month like a one month timeline. <laughs> just like uh, just, just survive three more months. Yeah. Until yeah. What, the what, release. Do, what do you think? Do you do you think that you could ever be fully at peace with it? Uh maybe not this lifetime. I don't know. I I I'm not yet. Um it when you said the word fluctuates, that's been my experience. There have been times when like I was fighting with my husband and I get like a, you're going to die reminder. And then it's some quote from Thich Nhat Hanh about getting out of anger by imagining being dead for 300 years. And like, all of a sudden we both start laughing, like <laughs> hilarious absurdity. Like sometimes it hits like that. Sometimes it just feels like, Ooh, that's weird. I don't feel that connected to that right now, but I guess it's true. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's like, huh. sometimes it's like, once in a blue moon, it's like abject terror, like grip the mattress, like, holy shit, right now I feel it and it's so real and I feel so much urgency to like live tomorrow to the fullest if I get to have tomorrow. And um, I like that fluctuation. It reminds me that 
you know, my state of mind is also very impermanent, that it's always changing. And this fact that I'm going to die, that's always true is relevant in different ways all the time to what I'm thinking about or what I care about. It kind of takes my temperature, if you will, where I just sort of like go like, Oh, like, and right now it's like this right now, you know, life is absurd and funny or right now uh, I really care about X, Y, Z and I don't want to die at all. And I find that terrifying, you know, it's just, it changes day to day, even the same day a lot. And that's, that's wild to me still. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Mm. I mean, the, your state of mind, like I was having, it, it is, yeah, like thinking about impermanence. And I know that that is like a really, that's a really common like meditation, uh, you know, tool, meditation tool, t- thinking about impermanence. And 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 I think you know some things, some things, some things, um, especially in pop culture, like when they get used too much, then they kind of start to like they start to like lose their um, they start to like lose their edge a little bit mm-hmm. because you get too maybe too accustomed to it or it becomes like becomes white noise because you've heard it so many times. But like when you think about impermanence and especially the impermanence of our state of mind, like I'm just re- I'm I'm starkly reminded, especially what you said there just now, Hansa, like day to day, even in the same day, like. The la- like yesterday I was on just like a total motivated, get things done, like in the moment, got a thousand things, happy to have a thousand things to do, ticking them off one by one. This morning I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do anything. I've got a thousand things to do. I can't do any of them. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I had this like sense of anxiety in me and I was, and I was like searching, like, what is the source of this? And I realized that there is no source of it. <laughs> like there is no source. It just is. <laughs> I just have it and it will go away. And now I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel back to what I felt yesterday. I, and I could have, and the difference between those two people, between me yesterday and me this morning, and then again, me now, they're two, they're, they're different people. Yeah. Like completely different yeah. people. I, uh, Hansa, I have a question for you that, that might be a bit tough to answer, but, it, say there's say there's someone listening to this podcast um which if this was if this was the, if this hypothetical is the case i i can't imagine how this person found themselves to be here without thinking about this but let's say let's say there's someone listening to the podcast and they haven't thought about death once in their entire life they haven't experienced close loss to in, in their life they haven't um they haven't you know come down with any kind of illness that has like stop them in their tracks to make them think about uh their their in- inevitable uh demise and and any time that the idea has come up they've they've e- e- subconsciously pushed it away right so not like actively going out of their way to not think about it they, it's just not something that's ever come up and now they're hearing this conversation and they're going uh oh <laughs> maybe i should start thinking 
about my own death. What would you suggest to that person? That person who's never really faced it head on. What would you suggest is the best way to dip their toes into just contemplating the notion of their own death? Yeah. Well, first I want to say just out there that this is literally the, the, the story they tell about the Buddha that he was like kept by his Royal father away from death. Cause for some reason they, there was some prophecy that if he learned about death, he would become a spiritual teacher and his father wanted him to be a King or something. And mm. so it's a rich mythology. Like what if you've never thought about this till adulthood and you're walking down the road and have your first encounter with death. And, you know, what if you've had a sheltered life or just been successful so far in pretending that, you know, this is a question far, far off for some other person that happens to be you when you're 80, that barely, you know, applies, you know, it doesn't even feel like you in a lot of ways. Um, and, um, you know, not to burst the bubble, uh, but the sooner you start thinking about it, the better, because mm. the reality we're all in is that everyone loses everyone and everything they're ever going to care about. That's just the nature of life. We all lose it all uh, in time. And you don't know when. It could be tomorrow, you know, the freak accident, the bus, the, the plane goes down, the global pandemic comes through, and you're unlucky. There's a million and one reasons it could happen uh, at any time. So it's always close. So if you're living on uh, life, in unrealistic terms, it's eventually going to catch up to you. And mm. it's going to be much harder for being unprepared because we all have that crisis. And if we've never really thought about it before, uh, you know, we're like, you know, that person living in California without, you know, an earthquake plan or, uh, you know, the, uh, the person who goes out during the pandemic without a mask, without a vaccine and just hopes for the best, you know, things, you know, don't work out very well often when we're not prepared. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one way to start thinking about it is just, um, you know, start kind of easy, go to the museum. If you go to any museum pretty much in the world with some old art in it, you will find some memento mori art, look for like, you know, a still life with skulls or, you know, some painting that features, you know, a death theme. You'll see that people have been spending a lot of money and time and artistic talent on these mm -hmm. themes forever. And you'll look mm -hmm. at beautiful things and inspire and just consider what, you know, the brief moment of life means to you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can download our app, of course, it will just remind you five times a day. And the nice thing about it is, you know, it's just a little reminder. It's not that close. It happens often. Uh, you can sort of treat it how you want during the day. It's, it's not, you know, being confronted with an actual family tragedy right now. Mm -hmm. um, two, uh, you can just start being more aware of what's happening around you. Death is actually always really close. Uh, I came across this meditation of just like, go for a walking meditation and look for death. And it was kind of wild, like a beautiful summer day walking around, just like how many bugs, like a mouse, dead plants, like mm. just, just being aware of being like, yeah, I'm going to spot death when I see it. And just being mm. like, holy wow. shit, I'm surrounded. <laughs> it's like this <laughs> yeah, right. beautiful day. The birds are out, the, the flowers, the, the death everywhere. <laughs> And, wow. and, and I think I think something that can be really beautiful about that, uh, like visually, and maybe 
especially for the person that's struggling with the idea, because I'm assuming there's probably also a lot of people that start to think about death and it really doesn't <laughs> sit well with them and it kind of mm-hmm. like spooks them. And um, what I, a perfect month for being spooked. Yeah, October. <laughs> and I really love, I, like, as soon as you said that resonated with me, as soon as you said that, the walking meditation with and, and looking for death. And when you're in a, uh, uh, when you're in a, a season like fall and, I mean the like the how beautiful is death. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's I mean you're mm-hmm. you're experiencing, you know, all the trees are 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 shedding and they're they're you know they're they're dying for winter and they're going to you know we well they're going to come they're going to cycle back and come back for next year but they the, their their their, <laughs> their death is their death is like I mean people travel to watch their death. <laughs> like people are like we need to go to this place outside of the city that I live in because the death that's happening out there is like the epic. Best, yeah. I it's effectively the best, did the best, that this past yeah. weekend it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. But the the interesting thing too that I that I was having this thought where um death like there's this idea that death is never easy to deal with emotionally if you lose a loved one it's always going to be hard and I believe that, but I also have seen and have had personal experiences where there has been death in my life that has been harder to deal with than other um, times that people have passed away. Not because the relationships were, um, I was I was like any less close to these people, but the ways that I sort of handled those experiences were different. So to give you like a concrete example, I've said this a few times on the podcast, but when I was 16, I lost a really close friend of mine who was suddenly hit by a car and died. And I didn't get to go to the funeral. Um, I wasn't in town when it happened. And so there was a lot of things that I didn't get to have closure on. And um, whereas there was another experience where I had where a really good friend of mine died from cancer and I got to be there at his bedside the day before he passed away and got to say all the things that I wanted to say. And the grieving process was a lot easier for me afterwards, even though the profound sort of sadness that comes with the loss of a loved one was still there. It was easier to sort of navigate that, that grieving process. And I think that with meditation, with meditating on death, it's sort of, um, I know with my personal experience has brought up a lot of things that I've thought like, Oh, if I lose that person in my life, at this current state with my relationship and the place that it's at, I will really struggle with this. I'll regret these things that I haven't said. So, you know, it's sort of um, pushed me to, you know, repair relationships with loved ones in my life and say things that I otherwise might not, might not have said had I not really contemplated my own mortality and what, or, or the mortality of the other people in my life and what that would mean, um, with our relationships in the way that they are now. So I think that death can like meditating on your, your own death and on the death of loved ones can be really powerful in, in sort of actually helping you to repair relationships in the present and then also grieve those relationships better when they're inevitably no longer here. Mm. I think you cut you, you hit on something there in the, in how understanding contemplating, thinking about death and developing a relationship with death catalyzes life. Yeah. It ca- yeah. catalyzes like a, like a, like a richer experience of life because of the meaning that comes to it. The meaning that, that is that life is imbued with 
when the when a like a a, a really like well thought out understanding of the impermanence of life is understood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on this theme, most amazing life hack, you know, you'll hear all month. Like, go beyond meditating on this one and have a conversation like today or this week with the handful of people you care about most about death. Talk about, you know, everything from whether you'd want to be hooked up to a breathing machine or not, because often people get incapacitated, like all the sort of nuts and bolts of what you think a good death would be for you and ask them that. And also say the things that, you know, you would say if uh, you knew they were going to be hit by a bus tomorrow about, you know, those sort of closure relationships, knowing that in a few years, if you've got more to say, you can do it again. Because at this point, I've talked to so many people who work in palliative care and hospice and, you know, three quarters of the time, you know, on beside a deathbed, people are worrying about like, you know, what someone would have wanted in this care mm-hmm. situation because mm-hmm. their loved one is incapacitated and they're agonizing over what treatments to do because, you know, they don't want them to be a vegetable, but they don't know if they, you know, they'd want to unhook them and they, they just never had the conversation. And at a time when they could be holding their loved one's hand and just letting go and having this peaceful, beautiful thing, they're agonizing over logistics and having never talked about it. So that's one. And two, you know, in the case of like my mom or a lot of people I know, like your friend who died in a car accident, deaths of a sudden and unexpected nature happen all the time too. So, you know, you can have that feeling of closure and of having said the things you care about most. Uh, and three, it's just a beautiful thing to do for your relationships, you know, to really increase intimacy, increase depth, talk about, you know, when you're talking about death, you're talking about, you know, the things you absolutely care about most, their people, their values, Mm -hmm. their lifestyle, their, you know, what you really want to be doing in life and what it would mean to you to, you know, quit this rut job and, you know, go after a passion or really, you know, see your family more or dedicate more time to friends, whatever it is you're longing for talking about death is a great time to talk about it. So when you're talking about this stuff about, you know, your closest relations, like, yeah, talk about death. Everyone recommends this and this all, you know, we all go through this, so it's worthwhile to do it and get over that scary hump. There's some amazing resources for doing that. There are these like death over dinner things people organize and you can get help with that online or, you know, a lot of people do feel comfortable just saying like, hey, you know, I heard about this crazy app and listen to this, you know, nutty podcast and they recommended we do this. Can we talk about death a little bit? And mm-hmm. then they just do it. And they've got a nice little icebreaker um, because they listen to a fun podcast or whatever. And then it just happens and it's much easier than people think. Yeah. So I can't recommend this one enough. You know, meditating and, you know, mindfulness is great, but actually talking to the people you care about is the best life hack you can possibly yeah. do this week. Speaking yeah. of uh, podcasts, We Croak has a podcast. Um, yes, we do. Uh, do you want to do you want to plug away? What, what's what's the podcast all about? What's the, the format and uh, where can people find it? Yeah, it's an interview podcast. It's me interviewing people. Uh, it's uh, We Croak, W-E-C-R-O-A-K, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. And it's about um, all the things we don't talk about enough, starting with death, but not ending there. Uh, I talk to a lot of Stoics because they do, you know, death recollections. I talk to a lot of palliative care and hospice writers, uh, people who just write really interesting books that touch on impermanence or death or, you know, these crazy times we live on. I just did an amazing episode with um, 
the guy that runs this organization called the history of vaccines and blew my mind about, you know, what life was like before the first vaccines and the pandemics that swept through and killed, you know, a third of the population every 10 years with smallpox and just nutty, crazy stuff about (laughs) what history is really like with, uh, you know, impermanence, death, disease, all these, all these things we don't like thinking about. Very cool. Very cool. I, I, I'm, uh, I mean, we're, we're coming up to time here, but, but before we wrap, I, I feel like if I was getting, if I, if I was in your shoes, starting an app that, that pumps out five quotes a day, um, and you know, you're like, you're a few years in to, to having released this, this app, you've probably just been so inundated with quotes that it's mm-hmm. like you're up to your fucking neck in quotes. Is this but, a favorite quote question? Yeah, like yeah. Do you, I'm the type of guy who loves a good quote. Yeah, when, I put it on my wall. I paint it with cursive yeah. writing and stuff. Brad, yeah. Brad loves like, a good quote. But uh, really so what should I put on my do, wall? Do you have like has one stuck out over the over the last few years that really kind of kind of imprinted on you in a in a much bigger way than the rest? Oh my goodness! I mean, there are so many. Um, uh, it's hard to choose one. Um, I feel like it's like, kind of like it really a, is. Uh, like I'm a- going to go right now. Like every day it's a different one, but yeah. one just came at me recently and, um, I was just, I laughed about it because it was one of the zany ones I put in the app. And for some reason it just made me laugh because it is an impermanence quote. Yeah but it just comes from a any perspective and it is, um, did you ever think that maybe there is more to life than being really, 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 really ridiculously good looking? Which is a Zoolander. quote from Zoolander yeah. after yes. all of his friends like die in a terrible gasoline accident. Oh my yeah. God. Do you know what's really funny about that, Hansa? Is that so at the beginning of this conversation, before I even stepped on the mic, just seeing your name Hansa, I thought to myself, uh, I thought I heard Zoolander in my head. I heard him be like, Hansel. It's really, really I just heard Derek. I mean, that's the other thing that I want to say about the app. The the amount of times I've gotten a quote from the app that has made me just stop and laugh because it's like, like you just said right there. Like that's not, that's not a quote someone would immediately think to think of when thinking about death. But like, if you really look at it, it, it is I mean, more to it, life than being good yeah, looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it, that's. I love that part about the app. I love that the quotes really like. It's not just. It's it. It's, it's bringing the unexpected to your day every single day. I real like Hans. I I, I can't I can't speak more highly ab- about We Crook. I think it. I think it's one of the coolest things that I've come across in years, and uh, just so so grateful that you created it and also so grateful that you've taken time out of your day today to sit down with us and to just uh, make us think a little bit more in depth about uh, the one, the, the one thing, the one single thing that we all share in common. Except Everybody. for me. Everybody. Except for Brian. He's, <laughs> he's going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Thank Thank you so much. You know, I've, I've done a lot of interviews at this point about death and so often they want me to be so serious. And I knew just from listening to your podcast that we could have fun. And that's definitely <laughs> my jam when talking about death. So thank yes. you. I was looking forward to it and uh, absolutely enjoyed myself. 
Awesome. Well, again, folks, it's called We Croak. It's the app that you have to download right fucking now. Right now. Um, I did. And We Croak podcast. uh, Get it wherever you find podcasts. Thank you so much, Hansa. So nice to meet you. Thank you. That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.